Are you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. I teach people how to take those experiences and turn them into powerful stories where they can in turn do podcasts, they can do blogs. They can be from the United States and talking on an Australian news station. Like there's lots of options out there. <laughs> it's going back to the subconscious mind. Like people don't realize that's our computer. So people upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. Mm-hmm. And I realize that as things change, you have to upgrade. Like you have to see the world differently. And as you said, you got to own your truth. That's where, where you have to eliminate the excuses. You got to make that game plan say, for me to get to that point to where I'm not on the side of the road questioning my life's decisions, these are the steps that I have to get past. That should keep you up at night. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. You have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your worth. Right. Happy Sunday, everyone. This is Rob Foster with episode number 27. Getting there. Of Shut Up and Grind with Robert B. Foster. So today we're going to be talking about empowering youth and helping youth forge their future and forge their path. And we're going to start. Somehow I, uh, I muted my mic. All right, I'm back. So we're going to start with a quick story about my daughter, Olivia. So when she was She's a freshman slash sophomore at the University of Rhode Island. And when we were picking her major, we reverse engineered it. And we started off with what makes you happy? Like, let's write down all of the things that make you happy. And then from there, who would you like to work with? And then from there, what field of study will allow you to do the things that make you happy and work with the people you want to work with? And so the guests that I'm bringing on today, guests, plural, have two today, is they, well, let's, let's go into it individually at first. So I have Lil Barkaski is first, and she is the vice president and head word wrangler, we're going to get into that one more, of Long Bar Creative Solutions that has had success for the past 30 years in restaurants, catering companies, training speakers, ghostwriting, and there's a lot more, but we don't have that much time. 
So that's Lil Barkaski. We're going to bring her into the stream. Morning, Lil. How you doing? Good morning. How did I do with that intro? Good. You said my name right. (laughs) (laughs) Right off the bat. Awesome. And joining her is Ziz, and he is a former NFL player turned inspirational performance coach. He's a speaker, he's an author, and he works to cultivate an environment of continued learning and development while monitoring students and understanding their value proposition in a competitive world. And I don't think I've ever said that many big words in the same sentence. And let's bring them in. Here is Ziz. Hey, Welcome good morning. Up. How you doing today? Appreciate being here. Love seeing you both. Love the energy. Yes. Gotta, gotta bring the fire, you know? <laughs> and together now, they co-authored the Accelerate Playbook, where they take young students to a series of exercises that help them explore what kind of future they imagine for themselves. Awesome. That's awesome. So, Lil, we're going to start with you. So, how did you get into doing what you do? Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've I've worked for myself pretty much since I'm 17 years old. Um, I've, uh, as you said, started my bio. My bio is ridiculous because I've done so many. (laughs) But I've I've owned restaurants. I uh, I, uh, self-made chef. I uh, ran event planning companies. But ultimately, what I really got into is acting, speaking, writing. I've always been creative in the creatives, one way or the other. Music. So uh, for the last close to 20 years, I've run a branding and marketing company that sort of combined all of my skills and uh, a lot of writing. I ghostwrite. I own Ghostwriters Network as well, which is a ghostwriting company. We publish. Nice. Nice. We got a coach from uh, Rhode Island College I'm working with this. this Okay. Nice. Small world. Small world. world. All right. So head word wrangler. Talk to me. How'd you come up with that title? I saw that. I was like, that's fire. I'm like, we are talking about that. Well, my, my business partner and I have known each other for odd 20 odd years. And we, we put our companies together a few years back. And uh, she is our czar of creativity. She's, she's all design. I'm all words. So yep. when we put together projects for people where they need uh, anything from writing books to web to what have you, she does all the pretty stuff and I do all the writing. So we decided <laughs> to call me the head word wrangler because I wrangle words. In the way that- <laughs> So. That's perfect. I love it. <laughs> All right, Ziz, talk to me. Hey, you know, you know, my my career, I guess you could say, having played sports and having played team sports, um, somewhat like you, you know, I ran track, played football. But the thing that I did that I think was the most intriguing was during my high school career, my junior year, I played Officer Krupke in West Side Story. Come on. Yeah. Nice. yeah in, instead of running track. Because okay. I had no idea that running track could contribute to the fact that I could get a scholarship playing football. Mm. So I wouldn't trade it in for the world because I think that experience was phenomenal. It taught me so much. It gave me a completely different perspective, which I think is really important. And pretty much how you talk to your daughter about reverse engineering yes, and choosing her degree, I want students to figure out who they are. I don't want to know what their parents think they are. I want to know who yes. they are. Yes. I and love that's that. what the book's about, man. That is what the book is about. Yeah. And it's really that's clear the society in which we live. We need them to be contributors to our society. We need some new ideas. We need new ways of doing things. So that's why Lil and I came together. We're super excited because when I pitched the idea to her, you know, I had a couple of hundred pages. So, so one of the, the smartest thing I did was like, you know what? I've never written a book before. You know, I've been tooling around with this for too many years. 
and I want to follow through and get it done. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to out myself instead of being the typical guy and not asking a question and not going to someone who has actually gotten it done. You know, I was like, you know what? I want to get this done. I want to get this out there. So the process was, was awesome working with Lil and the team and it was phenomenal. So I learned a lot about myself, about just the book writing process, but more importantly, the most important thing I would say, collaborate people, work with one another. That's book three. <laughs> That's going to be book three. So, so we're just going to gloss over the fact that you played professional football? <laughs> we're going to act like that didn't happen? <laughs> well, it's nice. So to me, and always for me, my, so sports, you know, and, and actually when I was being um, – before being drafted. So I actually popped an Achilles when I was in college. Ooh. So I was I was a super fast guy, um, ran under four three. Nice. And you know, now I wasn't a I wasn't a little guy. So at that at my size, at my speed and all those things, there were some really good things going for me. Lead receiver on the team, all those type things. But but that wasn't my identity. You know, I was pretty much I would say I was really nerdy, you know, just interesting <laughs> in other people, philosophy, all those type things. So the professional football, no doubt, a great experience. Honestly, for me, I did really like it. It's completely different than college football. College football, the camaraderie. NFL, mm. it's a business. Yeah. And, and I saw some things that I didn't necessarily like because it really is a business. Now, of course, when I played, that was a long time ago. The amount of money that's in football now, it's, it's what, I don't know, 30 times the amount. Probably. You know, Mahomes, Mahomes has a... What, yes, half a billion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, you know. So, but anyway, you know, the NFL experience was great. You know, it teaches you to reach for that big, big, big dream. Yes, and and you need people along the way to support you. Yeah, it's. it's the, I brought that up because similarly to Lil's experience, the grind, the grind's the same. You know, so to to reach the pinnacle in business, you know, to reach the pinnacle as an athlete. You got to grind. You know, that was the main reason why I brought that up, because this to become a professional, even even a collegiate athlete, yeah. you have to have a certain level of discipline, of drive and vision. So that, that was why I wanted to highlight that. Absolutely. Really yeah. brings up a topic that we talk about a lot in the book, though. Just because you're good at something and you really, you know, you don't have to do that thing. If you don't love it, do something else. My, my, my adopted daughter, one of the reasons I wrote this book was this, is I have a, 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 an adopted daughter. She came into our life at 15. And boy, did she act. She is unbelievable. I've gotten her parts in it. She doesn't want to do it. Hates being on stage. We like, she, now she's playing music instead. She's found a different way to be on, on in front of people. But she much more enjoys to play her guitar and sing. And I, But when talk about act, that kid could have been the next, you know, Meryl Streep or something. She has, she has all the talent in the world. Don't want to do it. Now, yeah. if you don't like it, don't do something that you're uncomfortable doing. You don't have sure, to be in the NFL, even if it is the NFL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Most of us are like, hey, you're nuts. But you know what I mean? But, but still, yeah, I get it. You, don't want to do it. you know, the, the, the funny thing about it is we would always say that the really super talented athletes, they're more talented athletes that never made it because they couldn't get through and do the other things necessary to get there. Yes. And that's the part I think that's missing today. You know, you have to be able to fit in with the team. It's, it's no different than you a company. A company is going to hire you. They want to know if you will fit in with their culture. Yes. Their culture. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's same with my my gym my gym members. Like I tell people right from the first consultation what our expectations are. It's like just because you have a fully loaded credit card doesn't make doesn't make you my target my target market. It's like you have to fit the mold of our facility. You know mm-hmm. that, that that's just how it works. So so Lil, so for for you, when did you first meet Ziz? Okay, so I actually uh, I, I I more or less developed edited a book. We well we we write books, we develop them, we edit them. So I had a woman that I met at a, at a conference and she lives in the area where Ziz used to live. And she'd written this little kind of a, like a chicken soup for the soul kind of book about her family. Mm. It's a really touching book. And I said, this book needs some work and we'd love to publish it. So we did. And she introduced me to Ziz and she said, you got to meet Ziz. He's great. And then we got to talking and he told me what his goals and his dreams were. And I said, and he was going to hire me because people hire me to go straight. And I, you know, and I said, no, you know what? I'll tell you what, let's go, let's go in half, half and half. Let's go over in all the way on this thing, which I never do. And I yep. said, I, I think this could be something great. And and uh, and, and, we, and we were hoping for two more books. We actually seriously are thinking about writing, uh, not thinking about, we're going to work on a book for the jump next, the motiv- we're going to call that one Motivate. And that's kids in the 20s, kids. kids in the 20s to 40s. <laughs> and then collaborate because when you get to be over 40, you know, you start trying to start a business, it, it, you know, leaving a, a culture of some sort, say, you know what, I want to do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. You've got to collaborate. Everybody needs to collaborate in general. But I think that would be that's going to be our, our we're working on the outlines for those next two books and still have a series. It'd be really cool. Nice. It takes another right. year probably, but we'll get it done. <laughs> All right. So then, so when she first first approached you with with that, what what were your initial thoughts about collaboration? You know, it 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 made sense and it was the best thing. And like I said, I had languished and I'm like, oh, you know, and 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 it was like it wasn't getting done and. And I was like, all right, I want to get this done. I want to follow through because it's important for me to follow through on what it is that I say I'm going to do. You know, and I had already shared it with students. I'm like, hey, I'm writing a book. You know, I've, I've done some things, read across America with a couple of schools and I'd be on a panel and I was the only one that didn't have a book written. So it was something that I needed to have done and it just made sense. And like I said, seriously, like I, I think, I literally said this to a young man just last week. I said, you know, what our problem is, meaning, men of color is you don't ask questions. Yeah. You think you can do it all by yourself. And he goes, you know what? You're right. He goes, you're right. And he goes, that's an issue that I have. And for whatever reason, I don't know why it's in our culture. It's like, you think you need to do it on your own and be strong. Yeah. Like, don't you think that's men in general though? Is I don't, I mean, I, I think there may be more so in men of color, but, but I find men in general have a really hard time asking for help. You know what though? I'm going to help you. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's interesting when you start to study, some of the, the the great businessmen of our society, you, you find out the number of people have helped them along the way. Yeah. And and you start to realize like, wow. Like, so I, I look at someone like Frank Reich, who's the head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He was a quarterback of mine when I was, a, I think I was a sophomore, he was a senior. And I look at how he has gotten to where he has. And it's a lot of it is collaboration. You know, he and Boomer are really good friends. I'm really good friends with Boomer. So you learn or you leverage other people's experiences. So when you think about a book, I mean, that's exactly people are sharing their experience. Learn from it. Um, Yeah, in general, those that don't want to get ahead won't collaborate. But those who want to get ahead and get there faster will collaborate. Absolutely. Yeah, I probably spent probably about 50 grand over the last seven years just on personal development, just traveling the country, 
like because I, I dropped out of college uh, three times. <laughs> and <laughs> so when I decided to uh, get into business, like I managed restaurants for a while. So like I, I learned that aspect of it, but I didn't know marketing, branding. So I traveled the country and I found the top people in those industries and I joined their masterminds, you know, took their took their classes and just became the sponge, just soaked in everything that I could. So that's that's great. So for b- both of you, little, I'll start with you. So why why the youth? Like, why did you pick that that demographic? Well, um, I write a lot of books. I'm a ghostwriter, so I, I write I write books for people. Sometimes they just tell me to write a book and they have an idea what they want to do. Or I work a little bit with them, make sure it gets done, and then I do everything from that to write my own books. But Ziz came to me with this. He had a, a really good idea. He had a he had a start. He had a lot of material that was kind of you know not no you know not organized yet. He wasn't really organized. Um, I, like I said, I, I taught acting for a long time. I, got, I went to NYU. You know, acting was, I thought I wanted to be a director of film, and I still love directing film and, and theater. Um, and one day, this little redhead walked in my, in my, in my acting class and kind of got stuck with us. And she, her mom and dad were having big problems, and she wound up living with us. Uh, and and they, had a, they had to let her go. It's a long story, but they, they, they asked us to take over. And uh, we did. And I watched. I watch her struggle. I watch her friends struggle. That age group, boy, you know. And I, and she says today she's twenty eight now. She's twenty seven, twenty eight. She said uh, if I had had this book when I was that age, it would have made change the game. And I think that's and, and that's why I think we ought to write the next book because we've had a lot of twenty and twenty five year olds read this book and go, oh my gosh, the stuff I'm learning in here. I wish I I wish I knew that I know it now. And you know, so I think that um, I love kids. I mean, I I I didn't have kids. I have Kate and. Having her in my life has always been phenomenal, and I just there's you're not we we had it easier. I'm going to be honest with you. I think, uh, or we're all three a slightly different age group, but we we had it easier. I don't know what to say to these kids. My goodness, you don't just go to college now and get a job. It's not like that, you know. And they don't know what to do. And I will say, people make fun of millennials, but I think the millennials are have got their, they got their head in the right place in the sense that. They'd rather live in a van by the river than than be in a corporate job they hate. <laughs> I may park next to them <laughs> at some point because I'm beginning to think they're right. But they want to do good things. They don't. You. They want to contribute. Right. They would rather. They would rather make less money and be be seen and be heard and be be contributing to whatever business they're in. So you give them the opportunity to to think and to to say, hey, I've got an idea. It may suck, in all honesty, but you listen to their ideas. One of those ideas they have is going to be good. Yes. And they want, they want to change the world. They want to bring water to the people who have water. They want to, they want to end poverty as we know it. They have they, their hearts in the right place. And I think our youth coming up behind them, we want that to happen for them too. And that's why we wrote this one. This was really aimed at like 12 to 16 kind of, although really you could read it at almost any age. So mm. That's, I think, where we're at. Like I said, the next books will be for – Kind of the next set, I guess. So. <laughs> All right, Z, so same question for, for you. Well, like, I, you know, I do a lot of work with young people. I've worked in higher education, so I've worked that, that age group where you're like, wow, hold on. They should be a little further along. Not that they weren't mature, but it was just they, their confidence didn't match up with their academic prowess. Mm. So when I started doing work with with the middle to high school students, I was like, that's exactly where the issue is. And honestly, 
the challenge, and I'm a parent of three. So I have, I have three children, 30, yeah. 28, and 25. Right. And one of the things I think I did well was instill, I didn't instill confidence, but I let them experience things so that they could build confidence. And I kept my opinion out of it. Yep. Which which is hard to do as a parent. So I, and I understand that. The, the hard lesson for me, and I remember my son, my youngest son telling me this, he's like, dad, I got this. I went through a divorce. And so, you know, he would be with me part of the time and, you know, so on and so forth. But the yep. real point was, I was trying to be a part of his life and, and make sure he was doing well academically. He's like, dad, you don't need to ask me about this class. I got it. And I listened. I listened. And when I listened, I said to him, I was like, okay, got it. We're going to start to talk about other types of things versus your academics. Because he said he had it. And I trust yeah. that he had it. Even if he didn't have it at that age, he can still adjust and figure it out. Whereas a lot of times parents try to come in and save them and not allow their child to failure to me is first attempt in learning or, yeah. or, you know, fear and overcoming those obstacles. So what they, they got a bad grade in a class. So what, even if they get an A in a class, it doesn't matter. That's when an employer is hiring someone, they're not, Hey, what were your grades? In college. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So you know true. what they want to know? They want to know if you can, like I said before, like, can you fit into their culture? Can yep. you get the job done without me having to prod you every single time? Yep. Will you follow through on what you say you're going to do? And those are the things that I see that's missing per se. And it's not that they don't have it. It's just that they're not practicing it. I feel a lot a lot of that, too, is like as Lil was saying about the millennials, is that there's a culture shift because from when we were growing up, there were different expectations. The schools yep. weren't unionized. There were more two parent households. You know, and yeah. we fast forward to now. A lot of that stuff isn't isn't happening. So I, I remember back when, when I ran track, we would get out of school at one forty five. We'd have track practice from two to four and I'd come in after track practice and teachers are still there. And, and it's unionized now. So, like, they, they roll in at 8.55 and they're out at 3.05. You know, so, like, that extra the extra work is just not there. And I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming teachers, but as I said, there were more two-parent households back then as well. So now you have one parent trying to work, trying to parent. And especially now during a pandemic, it's, di it's difficult. Like, I'm single with five kids. You know, so well, well, one's out. <laughs> well, one's out on his own now, but I got a 21, 18, 13, and twin boys who are 11. So I get that it's tough, but as these were saying, like I had 50 50 custody with my ex. So, but when they're here, I try to spend my time instilling life lessons, instilling values in them, letting them know, like when I play video games with them, I whoop their tail. <laughs> it's like I whooped their tail because they have to learn how to play the game. It's like and once they started beating me, they're like, yes, because they, they understand that there's steps you have to take to get the success. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I come from a very academic family. My mother, my mother and father were both teachers, my father's college professor. But and that's great. Academics are great. I, you know, I, I go to Princeton, I cry when I drive, you know, <laughs> but but I you know, any, I hate to say, it's kind of sad to say, but you can Google about anything. And at this point, you can, you know, you, there, you if you want to learn it, go to YouTube. There's somebody to teach it. Piano, yeah. 
you know, from piano to how to pick I mean, like there's almost, so what are we teaching them? I mean, that they can catch up on. They can catch up on something they don't know. One of the best salesmen I know, it made so much money as a salesman. He would actually have to call his secretary. Like he put somebody on hold when they asked about one of the products because he didn't know what <laughs> He said, you know, let me get right back. Like, Hold on one second. I got to look that up in the catalog. And he'd yeah. frantically be dialing a secretary. What's what's product number 7246? <laughs> no you know, but he was good looking. He was charming. He had a, a way about him. He'd been an actor, you know. Yeah. And so he, he fit their culture to sell. And he was yeah. great. Everybody wanted to be his friend. There's certain things you just have a, an ability. The rest of it you can pick up on. You know, yeah. you can pick up on all that stuff. But, uh, and not to say you shouldn't study. Of course you should study. But, you know. It's funny you say that because literally – um, I think it's a Harvard uh, graphic that talks about 85% of it is soft skills versus 15% being hard skills. Hard skills being actual knowledge. Right. It's soft skills, communication, critical thinking, um, how to work with others, how to collaborate. Those are the how, things. How to work under like, pressure. How, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of those type of things. And of course you learn those things, you know, if you're if you're in a musical, if you're in a choir, if you're part of a band. Man, you're talking about a really tough um, activity, the precision that's required, the amount of yeah. work and practice. Mm. So, um, you know, and being an artist, the creativity. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we, we have students in a box. It's like, let them get out of the box and think about different ways of doing things. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's driven from like the educational system is like the kids learn what they, what they want. I, I, like, I don't know who this day is. Like, I don't know who, who created the, the curriculum, but whoever created it, they're deciding what the kids learn. And I said on yesterday's episode, I was, I was speaking with a local career and technical school here about speaking. This was pre COVID. And so we were talking back and forth and I told her, I said, you know, this part of my speech where I show kids how to make money with their smartphones. And she's like, oh, she's like, no, we don't, we don't want that message. She's like, you know, our job is to prepare them for the workforce or for further education. And I said, but they should at least have the option to know that there's another way. So like my, like my son, he's a mechanic. And so I, I keep telling him, I'm like, dude, start a YouTube channel. Like, there's, there's, like, you know how many people don't know how to change a tire? You know how many people don't know what a PCV valve is? You know, I said, just start a YouTube channel with, with some minor how-tos. You know, build yeah. a following, build a brand. It, if it grows, you can monetize that channel. But they shot me down. They're like, no, they're like, they're like, you can come and speak, but you can't speak about that. I said, then I can't speak at your school. Yeah. Like, no. What are we doing? I mean, seriously, what are we doing? I, I think this pandemic has had... Some obvious horrible tragedy in the loss of lives, yes. but the, the lesson in this whole thing has been tremendous. I mean, some of the things, I mean, the way schools are being looked at. Like I said, my mom was a guidance director of a big, big school system. She was a head of, of guidance. My father taught science in, 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 in a university, but you know, even then, I mean, we. One of my favorite films, like I'll segue, is a film called Accepted. Did you ever see that film? I haven't. Ten years old. Watch it. It's about a guy who accidentally starts a college. <laughs> he doesn't get accepted to the college. He takes his money and he buys a, buys a building and he, and, he, and he starts a college. And, and, and um, what happens at the end of the day is these kids start to think about what they really do want to learn. And they they built they put a board up and they write down on this giant board. I want to learn this. I want to learn about that. I want to learn about that. And they start to bring in people to teach them those subjects. And col that's what college ought to be, or or school. 
I think we're failing kids miserably. But by the time they get to high school, they're like stuck in this thing. I mean, do this to learn the same. I think they're probably learning the same crap we learned. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> well, the books are the same. We're like they haven't changed them. You know. So you know what's interesting about what you just said? Literally, um, there's a push in California. I think at one of the universities. I think one of the big college, one of the big state institutions, and they said literally, "Why are we teaching algebra and calculus?" They're not relevant per se, especially in a world in which we live with artificial intelligence, um, machine thinking, all those type things. So we should, what should we be teaching if that's the direction we're going in? We should be teaching them how to study numbers. And and that's, so they are making a push. So it's actually happening. Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's taking, you know, with any big system, it takes time. It's a little unwieldy, but micro schools are happening um, these colleges, and I, you know, a lot of these Ivy League colleges are offering e-learning. So they're giving you small chunks that cost a lot less. You can get a certification, use that certification to get a job. Like you don't need a college degree to go in cyber intelligence or cybersecurity. Mm. Nope. Cybersecurity, <laughs> I, I never thought about this. I was, um, that was a couple of years ago. There's a gentleman from NSA, uh, National Security Agency, and he was working because, you know, we really need those students who they, they are supposedly in trouble because they think like the people who do hacking. And I was like, wow, you wouldn't want me. Because I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't break into someone's house if they told me what to do because I just don't, I, I, I would do it really badly and I would be caught. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some people who know how to do those things, but they don't understand that there are talents and their skills. And if you p- apply that and you take it to something like cybersecurity, you link it to some other things. So I'll tell you a really quick story. So just this past week, actually Friday, I'm working with a teacher in California and we're talking about the book. We're talking about Accelerate. And we said that the idea is for them, her students, she has five classes. They have to create either a TikTok, an Instagram reel or a Snapchat to promote the book. So they needed to interview me and and then we talked about what you know being a social media manager or marketing manager what they make that way they understand wow we're using this medium but we don't understand that there are jobs out there that can you can make anywhere from 60 to 100,000. Yes. So we're tying the skills together and getting them thinking about those types of things so that way they get involved in something and not just thinking oh let me just make a dance video and and not mean anything yeah. No, so real life things, you know, real life, real life experience. You know, what what will this equate to in the real world to make money? It's like, and, and I think we've got this like weird economy of like we have every we have people who just want to talk about let's make as much money as possible and be as rich as we can and the heck with everybody else. And then we have people like, oh no, money's bad. You should not make money. No, we need to make money. <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my, one of my family <laughs> mottos, my little I call it lilisms, is you know, save yourself and the world will follow. <laughs> Yourself, you can't do anything for the world. So we got to teach kids. It's okay to make money. It's okay to have a lemonade stand and make you know make make turn it into a, a lemonade product that gets on the shelves at at Whole Foods. But it's so true. Actually, story about that in, in the book. But the little girl did that. She was twelve, I think. But you know, there's there's all kinds of things you can do, and it's okay to make money. So long, and 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 it's okay to give some of it away. It's okay to make money with the idea that you know what are you going to do for other people when you while you're doing that, and and that's. That's, I think, a lot of the millennial thing. They like to do that sort of thing. But we're te- trying to teach the next group of kids that. And that I, I just think schools are great. It's wonderful. You want a kid to go to school. 
But at the same time, a lot of what they're learning is a waste of time at this point. Like, I, I, not to say my mom was a math teacher to start with. I love, I'm mathematically minded. But to, to sit there and teach them, and if you don't, if algebra is not going to work, listen, there's a way to go around that. <laughs> calculators, never sorry, use calculator. I mean, you really don't need it anymore. I mean, some of these things we taught that we, we just kind of let go of some of that. And, and they are starting to. It's just going to take a while. Sorry. So no. part of part of what of what Ziz was saying about the kids and how they learn. So I was a guest speaker at a, at a school again. This was pre pre COVID for their uh, for, for their special the special needs kids. You know the the behavioral kids. And okay. so I'm in the room. There was an officer who was there, and I don't remember the industry of the other person, but but there were three of us speaking. So the officer spoke first. And as the officer's speaking, like the kids are talking, they're laughing, and you know, and the officer's just talk, talking away, talking away. And then the next person talks, and same thing, the kids are just laughing, joking, like not having side conversation. So when it was my turn, I asked the director, I said, Can I take this in a different direction? She said, Yes. I said, I need all of you at this table. Has everybody come to this table? And then one kid's just like, you know, because there's always that one kid. I was like, um, I didn't ask. I said, I need everybody at this table. And I laid into them. I was, I was like, these people, you know, donated their time for you, like, because they care about you. Like, and you're going to disrespect them like that. And then all of a sudden, they're all... <laughs> it's like, they all per- perked right up. And there was one kid that they warned me, like, uh, he's like the worst one of, of, of the group. And so I, I picked him because after that, we broke up into smaller focus groups. So I picked him to come into mine, just started talking to him. And I was like, so he, he doesn't like to be told what to do. I said, so I'm going to empower him. So when, when we broke off into sports, I said, all right, I'm going to run this team. I said, young man, I need you to, to be the coach of that team. And he did it beautifully. <laughs> he did it absolutely beautifully. So instead of trying to stuff things into him that he's not going to receive, I empowered him to use his like it was like he's got leadership ability, but now he's using it to be a rebel. So I was trying to show him how to use it into something positive. Right. Right. Yes. Excellent. Yes. All right. So let's get into the details of of the book. So like, we'll start. We'll start with you. So when you guys met, you had the idea. How did the book come to life? Well, pretty much. You know, I work with this as if he were a client, even though we're partners, right? And I said, well, what do we got to do? We got to outline the book first. We have to know like what are the, the key points we want to get to. What what's the most? And then we you know we wanted to come up with titles for the chapters that would be enticing, that would people would understand what we we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we outlined the chapters, and we went back and forth. You know, fair bit on that. Took us a little longer to write this book than my typical book if I'm writing a business book with somebody. This took us a year to write because we had a lot of going back and forth and we had busy lives. But once we had that, then we we chose chapters. I said, I really want to write this chapter. And then Zid said there were chapters that really spoke more to him. So we set about doing that. And then once I had all the chapters together, then my job is to kind of edit them all and you know smooth them all out into something that 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 it's really good. And then we send it off to our editors and they they proofread all our stuff. So it's it's a process, but we kind of knew that certain chapters really meant like I, I love the superpower chapter. I'm a I'm a, I'm old. <laughs> but um I'm a big fan of I was always as a kid, I read all the Superman and Batman comic books. They were my thing. So I wrote I wrote the difference between what Superman and Batman's powers are and, and what that means as a person and how that uh, that equates. And my idea of a superpower isn't a talent. There's a difference. Like some people just have an opportunity to they just wake up one day and they can sing or they me, I had no idea I could sing. I got dragged in the high school choir, and but but there's certain, and I've 
near the perfect pitch. So you, I didn't know that either. I mean, I had no idea. But a talent, to me, that's a talent. But a superpower is something like you have integrity or you have um, that, that weird ability to see. You know, some kids and some people can see a person's struggles and they look at that person and go, that person's having a hard day. I need to give them a hug. Like, I just think that, that <laughs> compassion, compassion. I do that for a living. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those things. You you and 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 that's a like to me that's like a superpower. That just yes. when you have that, well, you can leverage that to do great things for the world. And it's okay to make money if, if you're compassionate. Maybe you should be a doctor or you should be a a, a psychologist or something where you help other people. Doesn't mean you don't get paid for it, but there's something in you. So we chose the chapters we both felt strongly about. And then we never said we we edited our our super super uh, designer did the cover, and our super typesetter did the type. Oh shit! We normally do stuff. You know, we go one thing at a time and get done. Well, you know what? It's done. So that's yeah, how it, it works. It's it's so interesting. So one of the things that I'll relate back to my having played sports is it's really important to like you may have talent, but it's important to be coachable. Yes. And, and, so and you know, there's so many people who have talent. And you're like, oh, if they would just listen, <laughs> yes. they would go a little further. So, you know, we had a different title, and and I remember, I'm like, huh. And I was listening to the feedback, and 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 the one thing that I'll say to you know to to those who are listening, feedback is just information. It's information for you to go, okay, what can I do to make this a little better? And that to me is what and how I strive and how we all strive. You yep. want to get a little bit better each and every day. So I was like, okay, I listened. And I'm like, all right, let's change it. And then just, I don't even know. I think I went to bed one night and came up and I was like, boom, I fired off something to Lil. She was like, okay, I like this. And then we, you know, we just massaged it and we kept doing that. And that's the thing I would think writing a book is very much like life, iteration, iteration, iteration. And, and that's, you take the information, you get a little better. You take the information, you get a little better. And, and was- then you reach the point where you say, you know what? This is the problem I have with a lot of writers. Got to go. Yep. Got to launch. So many people get to the end of the book and they're like, oh, we're going to wait a little more. We're going to fix it a little more. You got to jump. You got to yeah. jump. And that's going to appear. You got to get in there. You know, we, 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 Kate actually is working with us and she's our, like our, uh, kind of our publicist. And the three of us kept going on and on and on. Finally, somebody said, one of the three, I think it was it, the accelerate. That's it. Accelerate. That's it. And then we came up with the right you know, tagline and we went from there. What do we want to look like? And, you know, it takes it's a process, but you got to at some point go, the book cover is good enough. It's yeah. going to work. The, right. the interior is good enough. If we made a mistake, we made a mistake. It'll get fixed in the second iteration. Yeah. You, you know, and that's don't don't hold on to it till, to, to, to where it never gets out into the world. Say, done beats perfect. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so have you guys considered turn, turning this into like a digital course? Yes. Um, so we have two options with the course, and we're working on that right now. One is, and we're probably going to do both, but one is to put it online as a digital course, which would have include some 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 interesting elements to it, not the least which is some video and things like that. The other thing we're really strongly considering is an actual course where we do maybe eight weeks, ten weeks at the most with kids, where, but this is the idea we have, and we're, we're working toward it. Uh, so it'll be a weekly meeting, about an hour long, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, where the kids would get on with us and go maybe go through the, the exercises of a couple of chapters in each meeting. But we want to bring on people like you. We want to bring on people. We have an actor who lives in Manhattan who's been on every kind of show. He's, he's SAG, he's equity. He's, he'll happily come on and talk about how the struggles of acting, a musician, a coder, somebody who does you know web coding. So they get to meet a different person every week 
who they can ask questions of on Zoom or, or StreamYard or whatever, probably Zoom, but where they would just you know be able to say, well, okay, what's it like to live in Manhattan in a pandemic and try to be an actor? <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, what's that like? Terrible. That's what it's like. It's horrible. But he's, but he's, but he's, but that guy has switched to doing Audible. Okay. So he's set up a studio in his house in Manhattan. He's got himself locked in a closet, and he's and, and he's doing books on tape because that's he's an actor. So um, he's working with people like me. So that's that's the kind of thing we want to talk to kids about. So that's a, yeah. that's toward like uh, beginning of next year on that one, January, February. So I'm a visionary, right? I'm a visionary. So like, as I started looking into the background of you both, you know, ahead of the show, my mind just started wandering because that's just what I do, you know? And so have, this is my thought. This, as this was saying, it's information. You take the information, do with it what you want to. But I think you can have different divisions of this. Like you can have accelerate for middle school kids. You can have accelerate for teens, accelerate for coaches, accelerate for business owners. Cause sometimes like CEOs are, aren't in touch with their, with their children. And you right. can, have, you can have an entire series yeah. off of that same base topic. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah. And we are, we are, ex- we are expecting that, that we will probably have more. <laughs> great idea. We're expecting that we'd have more, more parents in some ways than we would have. Mm-hmm. And definitely train the trainer. We, we definitely would like to get, uh, coaches or or people like you know coaches counselors who are dealing with young people yep. teachers you know, to get them on and go through the book with them uh, yeah so that would be one thing <laughs> like but my- and, and, you know for some people it would just be their their kids would want to come you know want to go on with their children yes like my my daughter a lot of elements too. yeah my younger daughter she was a cheerleader for a basketball team and I, I remember going to the game obviously I would go to the game to watch her cheer but you're watching the game as well and their coach drove me insane absolutely insane i'm like this guy has no clue how to like, like he, he had some talent out there on the floor he just did not know how to get through them you know yeah. so like as i was listening to you two talk uh, i was like they can definitely tailor this to a coaching coaching type of program because yeah. that, that dude had no clue because there was one point in the game when they were going out for halftime, I actually grabbed a couple of the kids. And I was like, "Listen," and just gave them some quick, some quick uh-huh. one-liners. And even my older daughter's team, they were they were losing a game, and the coach, like at halftime, the coach walked out of the gym, and the girls are just sitting there demoralized. So again, I came out of the stand. I was like, "Listen, you guys are only down twelve points. You can do this. We're gonna take it one play at a time." I'm like, "You, when you get open, don't be afraid to shoot." And just went right down. You know, did my coach feel? And it's like they, they did end up lo- losing, but but they only lost by like five or six. I want to say they you know they were down double digits, and it happened. The coach just gave up on them. I was like, these are these are twelve year old girls, twelve year old girls. He walks out of the gym. What the? Oh my god, that's awful. Yeah, so I mean, I can see see that being a a, a huge opportunity. So, Grant, I have a question on that then, because uh, okay. you deal with people. Do you think people like that are aware? that they need something like this. How do we make them make it? Cause when, I think when you're in the mindset of somebody who would walk off on 12, 12 year olds, you don't, know enough, you don't know enough to know you need this. Like I, I think more counselors and teachers might know that, but you're right. And we definitely would like to work with it. I'm not necessarily just even this book. I think Jason and I both agree. We'd like to do a, a lot of coaching in general about this sort of thing, because our, our next goal is to work with the older crowd and, and yes. 
Yes, but I, I do think there's a, a lot of validity in what you're saying. It's a wonderful idea. Yeah, the, the sell to that one would be to athletic directors, not like directly to the coaches. Yeah, you would go to the athletic director and say, we have, if you want the gold standard in coaching, this is our program. Great. Yeah, good idea. Oh, well, you're hired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not bad for a college dropout. <laughs> okay. No, that's, that's good. Let's go back to what you just said. Like, so – it sounds like to me you have something in common with this guy by the name of Bill Gates. <laughs> Didn't he drop out of college? Yeah. To start his company? Yep. <laughs> so, sure. so, so what does that mean? I mean, it basically means, I mean, people, some, you know, I see a lot of students who go to college. They're trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. They're, they're spending or depending on who's paying for it, because if they come out of college with college debt, they're continually to spend because the interest rate's going to kill them. That's a lot of money to figure out who you are. Yes, oh, man. Two hundred thousand dollars. Yes, college just got college just got the the, the 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 blinders ripped off for a lot of people. That what happened with this pandemic? We started to realize. I went to NYU and I was listening to a professor from there on, on TV, and he was saying how basically he said people realize that go to college the way they're going now through the pandemic, they might as well get Netflix and for nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> he said Netflix. I'm like, oh. you know, ninety thousand to go to NYU or nine bucks a month to watch Disney Plus. <laughs> Like, like he's like it's the same thing. And he was kind of right. Like it's pretty sad. Like you know, they get, I think people realize with this. See, a lot of that too. What is am I paying just, for for my kid to go to the school? Oh my goodness. Yes, a lot of that too is like I said earlier is from indoctrination because like we're telling kids if you don't go to college you're gonna end up flipping burgers. And with my daughter, I told her straight up. I said, well, I, I told my son. My son went to a, a trade school. He went to an automotive school up in Massachusetts, and she's right. going to the University of Rhode Island. And I told them both. We are not paying for you to self-discover. I said that that's not happening, and that's why we did the the you know the reverse engineering with her. I said, so we're going to figure out what makes you happy because what makes you happy now is going to make you happy ten years from now. I said, so write out all the things that make you happy, and then we're going to pick a career path from there. I said, it, it ain't about sororities, it's not about partying, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about getting an education and solidifying your future. I said, that's what you're going to college for. I said, you can self-discover after you get your degree. And you know what I mean? I said, but that's, not paying. <laughs> that's not what it's for, but that's what society says. They say you go to college to discovery. No, you have 18 years to discover who you are. <laughs> and then, then you get to college and you grind. Right. And that's really why we wrote this book. We don't want kids to go to college if they don't belong there or to go to college and waste tons of money go and get into frats in society. I think the whole, honestly, God forgive me, but I think the fraternity and sorority thing is that's let's, let's lose don't that. Shall we? Let's lose that all together. Oh, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You know what I will say? So they, they being these fraternities and sororities, depending on which ones, they really do a good job of networking. Right. They talk about the things that should be taught because Behind closed doors, they're connecting people to people who have jobs. I'm not arguing that. You're right. Like, I see people who've been in fraternities. I mean, you know, Kamala Harris, I mean, obviously her whole entire community is gone. There's not, it's not bad. I'm just saying we have to look at why the drinking and the, we've got to get something to make that yeah. be so that we're getting hurt with that sort of thing. Right. They shouldn't have groups or be in any kind of group, theater group or whatever it is. But we have, we have to understand that that's not the only reason to go to college. Networking is essential, though, and we're not teaching that. Join a sorority or fraternity because you're going to see that 10 years from now, that is a tribe that you can call upon. I have a friend who went to West Point. She still calls upon all of those people in West Point. That's a fraternity of a sorority in and of itself. Like 
their, their, their brotherhood, sisterhood of, in and of themselves. When she has a problem, she calls somebody at West Point, they show up, man, they're there. You know, so it depends on, but I think we're, I, I think a lot of what we learned from the pandemic is that these kids can do a lot of things without all of that yeah. nonsense that gets them into, into, like, into all trouble. you need is all you need is right there. Like that's that, that's what would I tell my kid? Like, don't attach yourself to any group. Don't attach yourself to any person. Attach yourself to yourself, because right. once you are self-defined, nothing can shake you. It's so hard for kids, though. I think, and they do. I, I will argue that I think what ha- makes you happy today may not make you happy ten years from now. But if you have a pretty good idea of the core of it, something from it will spin off. Yeah, it, you know, like 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 Caitlin. Caitlin loved acting at fifteen. But what spun off of that was, I don't want to act, but I do like to be in front of people. So now she's a musician. So it's sort of spun into something new. Yeah, that's the point. There's got to be core values. There's certain things that you really want. Yeah, like if you like R&B music now, you're going to like R&B music 10, 10 years from now. Like that's, yeah. that, that's the point, point I was making. Not, but am I spin to like hip hop? Or am I spin to something? Yeah. You know, a certain kind of dance. If you're a da- you think you want to be a ballerina and then somebody introduces – you know, contemporary dance to you and you go, wow, how can I marry those things? I, I'm a big fan of So You Think You Can Dance. I watch it religiously. And you yeah. see he's like, I love dad. I can't do it. So I was like, <laughs> of course I played sports my whole life, but I can't do that. But I look at these people like, wow, they're athletic. And they're talking about the at the um, Olympics having some sort of breakdancing being involved. Yes. Yeah. 2024 yeah. breakdancing. And I said it to one of my friends and they're like, what? I'm like, have you seen them? <laughs> have you met the twins? I mean, have you seen these guys? Do like, like just ridiculous. So you, you don't know what it's going to spin into. You don't know when you could take something like ballet and ma- marry it with contemporary, marry it with hip hop, and you watch these people go through this process and they learn something new about the one thing. The core was dance, but yeah. what kind of dance? The core might be music, but what kind of music? The core might be coding, but what kind? My my ex is a uh, phenomenal coder. But now into um, into risk management stuff. So you don't know what what part of that you're going to go into. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, that's the part you have to where you have to um, discover. Like in high school, even as athletic as I was, I was voted most talkative. <laughs> and look at you now. <laughs> right? so, and even as a restaurant manager, you know, you're given staff meetings, staff trainings. You know, going to corporate meetings. I was constantly, constantly talking. And then even as a sports coach, you're constantly talking. And so it's like that core didn't change. I just had to discover the right vehicle. And now, you know, speaking on stages and ha- having a podcast and doing virtual trainings, it's, it's like that core doesn't change. It's like when people bounce around industries, it's like they're, they're straying from that core. Like my son loves cars. You know, he was working in, in a restaurant for a while. And, you know, while he was go- going to school and you could just tell he just wasn't that wasn't for him. And then he got his job as a mechanic and like he just glows when he talks about cars, you know, so like like he had to he had to get into that that mode. Right. You know, it's interesting. You think back. So when I was in school, auto mechanic, uh, car, what did they what did they call it? Um, Carpentry. Those things were Mm -hmm. in the school building. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they took it out. They took out all the trades. And you're like, you're like, hold on a second. I know plumbers who are basically millionaires, electricians who are basically millionaires. Yep. Yeah. You're like, why did you take those things out? Now, the funny thing to me is then they, in the school system where I do a lot of work, so there's two schools, one that, the, that serves the north part of the county, one that serves the south part of the county. Then you got to take a test to get in, like an actual mm. test. I was like, hold on a second. 
their skill lies in what they can do, whether it's culinary, whether it's auto mechanic, whether it's their hands. Mm. And it's like, you're giving them a, a test like that to get in. It doesn't make any sense. Agreed. So I think that's the other avenue that the book serves. The book is really, like you said, Robert, I mean, self-discovery. Because if you're waiting to figure out who you are, like in college, and we're not saying, of course, you're going to iterate, you're going to evolve when you get a little older. You know, let's 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 face it, Robert. Most of us young men, <laughs> they're not getting, they're not fully developed until well, they say 25. I'm actually thinking it's more like 28, 30 years old now. Mm. And and the females are much further along. So I always say to this to young women, I'm like, especially the ones that are talking about dating and this, that, and the other. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. If you were running a race, you're already a mile ahead of that that person. Not only are you trying to hook your 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 wagon to that person, but then trying to pull that person to catch up with you. <laughs> the effort that it requires that you're oh. and, and then you're you're leaving yourself in that same spot instead of catapulting yourself ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so true. So true. So all right, we got about nine nine minutes. So in the book, what what would, would you each say is the number one takeaway that someone would get from it? I think that's the beauty of it because I think different people are going to take away different things. Yeah, no, I, I want to know. I want to know what you think. <laughs> wow, number one thing. Wow, that's a, that's a great question. I I you know I think in my heart of heart that I would say that they're going to take away that they have to, con they are the CEO of their life and they have to make decisions and choices for them. And there are people who will support them in those decisions. Okay. I like Lil. Yeah. I, I, I think he's on track there. The, the takeaway for this with kids is to not let other people define you. Have to define you. And it's so hard for kids because their parents, their grandparents, whoever's raising them, their friends. We talk about the difference between a friend, a frenemy, and an ally. And no, understand that there are people who are your friends and there are people who are your frenemies that they don't really have your best interests at heart. They can yeah. be friends with them, but don't 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 turn your back. You know, <laughs> so what does it mean to have an alliance? What does it mean to build a tribe? What does it mean to build a circle of influence? You know, those things are important, and those people will help you. But you have to figure out first what really what matters. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter if you're a carpenter or if you're a you're a cab driver, if you're if you're a college professor. The point is if you know who you are and you're happy with, with what and who you are, then you can you can help the world. You can save the world. You really can. There's a lot you can do. But she, but people, kids are so influenced by what they're they're so afraid that they're gonna disappoint a parent, that they're gonna disappoint their friends, that they're not gonna do what you gotta not disappoint you. <laughs> if you're disappointing you, that's the end of the world. They can't fix that. I can't fix that. But you can you can dis disappoint somebody. They'll get over it. Your friends will get over it if you don't agree with them. Your parents will get over it if you don't. I, my parents would love for me to be a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a creative. I'm always going to be at heart a creative person. And they got over that. And they were like, okay, great. You know, they came to every music, every musical thing I ever did. They, you know, the way they were sporting, they probably went to way less sporting events than they did the music events. Or, you know, <laughs> but they're but. That you have to allow, and, and for parents to read this, please allow your children to be who they want to be. Please stop trying to make them who you want them to be. That's yes. what I like parents to get. We want to start a Facebook uh, group for the parents where that are involved in the courses so they can interact with whenever we can be there on lives with them and get them to stop pushing these children to, to suicide. 
because they aren't what they really wanted to be. You know, they've got to be what they want to be. And I think that's that's a lot of what this book's about. And the next books are going to be about you know about motivating each other to do better, to grow, and to collaborate with one another. So those and we and we understand obviously parenting is challenging and, hard. and parenting in a pandemic while you're also trying to make a living is yeah. that much more difficult why we are doing why we have grades i'm I'm like are you kidding me we're we're giving out assignments and you have to have a grade come on our measurement system is completely off we're not measuring the right things Mm. yeah and and there's there's so many i i post about these things on linkedin you know grades are not a motivator They, they don't motivate actually the example that you use when you brought the that those students together and had them sit at a table and then you'd set the expectation and, and and then you you I'm sure as you were setting the expectation you looked at each and every one of them in their eye right in the eye yep yes and, and you're like hey I'm here with you and here's why I'm saying this to you what you just did wasn't right so your behavior wasn't right but I still love you and here's what we're gonna do next that they want parameters but they yes. also want you to love them and they want you to support them in things that they do so I know parenting is hard. I know, te- oh my gosh, I, the teachers that are out there, my heart goes out to them because I know the amount of work they are pouring into their students. But imagine the ones who have their own children themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a thankless job. And unfortunately, in our society, we celebrate the entertainment industry more than we celebrate the educational industry. Yep. And what yes. I basically mean by that is, you know, Patrick Mahomes, great talent. Should he be paid that much money? Eh. Whereas there's a teacher over here and everyone has had a teacher that's influenced them to go on to do something awesome. Yeah. Right. And yet they're not being paid and compensated in the way they should. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. You expect people to go into teaching at this kind of pay and this kind of work. And I have a, I have a Jamaican sister, quote unquote. <laughs> She's a riot. And but she teaches kids in a, in a tough neighborhood. Um, the Microsoft suite, and she was doing so well that they. Th- th- this is true. The school system pulled her out of it because she was making everybody else look bad. Uh, passing it, 90 percent of them were passing the entire Microsoft suite. The other teachers teaching the same thing were at thirty, forty percent of the classes. They were like, "What are you doing? You're making us look bad." No, wow. we're passing. You can learn the Microsoft suite. You can learn. You can do anything. You know, if you can do, you know, unbelievable what she was doing there. So they they moved it from to a different subject matter. That's ridiculous. Sell wow. that. Be like, oh, give her more money. I hate to say, but teach it privately. Why would you even do this for these people anymore? It's terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm appalled. But that's what we do. And, and when we don't celebrate a teacher doing well, we, we, we feel like they're making the other people who aren't doing well look badly. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So to what Z said, what Z said earlier, it's about teaching the kids that it's okay to fail. And that failing, failing is beneficial. I want to share a quick story before, before we wrap up. I brought my kids up to New Hampshire when they first opened for, from COVID restrictions. So we're like, oh, good, let's go get some fresh air. And so we were hiking on this mountain. And it wasn't even a huge mountain, but we get all the way to the peak and we're coming back down. And one of my twin boys says, why do you make us do this? <laughs> right? and, I, and I said, do you want me to answer that? He's like, yes. I said, because in life, you're going to have to climb mountains. In life, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. You're going to be in situations that may not be favorable. I said, but they're going to shape who you are as a person. And his twin twin brother goes, that was deep. 
<laughs> that was deep. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, so like I, I take them on on hikes and I, I put them through challenging things just to let them know. I said, when you get out there and when you get a job, you think people are gonna just baby you? It's like, no, like there's going to be expectations for you. You're going to be expected to, to perform at a high level or you're going to lose that job. I said, so I'm shaping you now. I know you're only 11, but in seven years, you're going to be an adult. <laughs> I said, so I have seven years to build your foundation so you can go out and, you know, create who you want to be. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. And the other, you know, the other thing I, I've started telling parents this, I'm like, let your children see that you failed. You've yeah. made mistakes that things haven't always gone well. And and then they'll they'll start to realize and they'll take the pre- it'll take the pressure of of the expectation off their plate, so to speak. You know, because the um, you know, it's been it's been sad. This this particular month's been been, been sad, not only just because it's the holiday, <coughs> but also the pressure, the pressure cooker has really gone up another extra level. And I think we all need to do a good job of just providing each other with grace. So I know there are a lot of students out there that are just having a tough time. Um, there are a lot of teachers out there having a tough time. And and we talked about that in the book as well. Mental health is 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 strained right now. Um, oh my God! Yeah. So that's why I don't think they even realize how how upset they are. I mean, they're stuck in their houses and they're. You know, this has been well, tough. But here's the, the the great thing is 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 children are really resilient. So the yeah. the the approach that I take is the positive keep sharing the positive, but I will acknowledge yeah. that, hey, you know, we did, we had a professional development and we were talking about anti-bias and anti-racism. I mean, that's a heavy, deep subject. And I said, yeah. you know, my, my emotions ran the gamut, you know, here to here. And, and I shared that with the students just to let them know, like, we feel too. Yeah. So I think it's really important to let them know that things aren't going to always, they're going to be a lot of bumps in the road. Yeah. Good. A lot of mountains to climb. A lot of mountains to climb. Yeah, a lot <laughs> yeah. of mountains to climb. Yes, God, we could easily speak a, another hour on this topic. <laughs> easily. <laughs> easily. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining. I'll, I put the link to, to uh, the book right up on there. It's, it's, it's acceleratePlaybook.com, right? Yes. AcceleratePlaybook.com and all the ways to buy it. If you don't like Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. There's a, million, there's a bunch of ways to buy it on the, on the website. Yep. And I'll be picking up my copy. And that's that's huge because I'm not a book reader. <laughs> but I'm intrigued to uh, to read this one. And if you two don't make a digital course, I'm going to read your book and I'm going to make my own. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> don't worry. And, and call the lawyer. <laughs> also, real quick, if anybody has a school, a group that wants to buy more than 15 copies, we, we, they can buy through us and we'll give them a nice discount on it. So if they got a, a home or whatever they want to buy 15, 20 copies of the book, we'll make sure that we can do that. And we'll be happy to do a Zoom with them too if they want. We'll, we'll jump on a Zoom. If they buy 15, 20 copies, and they buy 100 copies, we'll do an hour. <laughs> that's, a, that's, another, that's another great idea, actually. Yeah, it that, really is. That's a great idea to, to get on with um, at school administrators yes. and, and pitch that program. That's a We've great got a idea. bunch of people working on all kinds of crazy stuff. So send us all <laughs> ideas, Robert. Email them. They're brilliant. We love you. I'm going to trade. I'm going to trademark acceleratei.com right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. This was a great talk. Thank you both for joining me. All right, I'm going to bump bump you guys out real quick. But uh, any any final final words? You're yeah, charming, and we love you. you. Terrific. Yeah, we we love being with you. We love the energy. I love what you're doing. So thank you for having us. 
Awesome. Wonderful. Thank wonderful. you very much. This has been right, one of yeah. our favorite ones. This has been one of our favorite interviews. Oh, I love it. Love it. All right. Thank you. Have thank a great you. day. All right, guys. So that was it. Thank you for joining me on this Sunday morning. That was an awesome, awesome conversation. So again, if you want to pick up a copy of that book, right, it's www.accelerateplaybook.com. Then I'm going to pick it up myself. And I'll be honest, I'm more of an of a video guy, but just being on this call with them, I want to dive in. I want to dive into that book. And don't worry, I'm not going to steal their idea. So. Hit on mute again. So just remember, if you have obstacles in your path, if you have mountains to climb, just get it done. And that's why we call this Shut Up and Grind. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore b underscore foster. On Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.